press on in those things that we believe in or that we treasure, whatever it may be. It may be seeking revival. So we, we endure and we pray because we believe God set us apart to, to intercede and be an intercessor praying for this particular thing. Or it could be simply uh, having a hungry belly. So we press on to do whatever we have to do to make sure that belly is fed. You know, there's a principle in Proverbs that, that tells us that, that same thought process. Look in Proverbs 16. You, you'll see this. Proverbs 16, 26. Proverbs 16, 26. Watch the, the, how this fits, and it actually fits in every dynamic of life, whether it be eternal of value or whether it be useless. It, it still applies. Uh, notice what Proverbs 16, 26 says. The person who labors, labors for who? He labors for himself, for his hungry mouth does what? Drives him, urges him, encourages him on. He has something that he treasures, something that he believes in, so it, it's a driving force. It's something that, that makes him press on, even if it's a hungry mouth. There, the, the payoff, that, that's what that is speaking of. Uh, we do what we do because there's a payoff. There's something that we're in pursuit of that keeps driving us. Now, the question that we would have to then look at, what, what is the payoff that we are pursuing, that we're pressing on? Is it the things in Christ? Is it things of, of, of a godly nature? Or is it things that are temporal? that have no value eternally. They may be of, of value to you. It may be value of people, but really nothing significant in sense that it's not going to transform lives. It's not going to help anybody live any better in recognition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, whatever the payoff is, something's driving us. Amen? We just have to evaluate what it is, so that will then tell us where our heart and what our mind is set upon. What are we pressing on? about and I pray that it would be things that are are significant because we're all we're all vulnerable we're all uh, can find ourselves being pushed and driving and pursuing things that that really are not that important have you ever done that before have you ever been uh, seen a payoff out there that you was laboring for that was driving you that really really wasn't all that significant you could look in hindsight now and think Man, I sure did put a lot into that and did a whole lot with it, and it really, it really didn't amount to hardly nothing. We could all do that. But I tell you what, you'll never fail if Jesus is what you're seeking and his spirit being poured out upon his people and his word being illuminated and manifested and, and, and lost people becoming, uh, coming to know him and his church being quickened. You, can, you, you won't go wrong doing that, amen, at all. I, I just thought about that verse, that principle, as she was singing, it came to mind. So that, that was a little Louisiana land yap. Amen. Now let, let's get on over in uh, Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21. I've enjoyed reading in the, in the gospel of Matthew. We've got another week in it. Uh, 
there's so much to eat up and to consume and chew on and ponder. And matter of fact, if anybody, anybody got a testimony, anything you want to say? Miss Patton started out sharing a few things. Uh, anybody? Got something you want to testify about pressing on? Something you want to just share with anybody else? We'd love to hear it. That's how you encourage the brethren. Scripture, what that, would that proverb just say? Our, the man who labors, labors for himself, his what? His hungry mouth does what? How many of you hungry right now? My stomach's growling as I'm talking to y'all right now. We can't let our stomachs dictate how we live, though, can we? A lot of us do, whatever it may be. We've got to learn how to suppress those things and bring them into captivity. Uh, my bride's out of town, so I, I, I've been um, batching it, and Miss Karen brought some soup down to me yesterday, and, boy, it was sure enough good, good soup. And I was sitting on that pew right as the service was starting, and you know what, what popped in almost like I, t I could taste? The okra in that soup, sitting on the pew. You ever get like that? Most time it went to growling, and I could taste that okra in my mouth. I like the way okra tastes, especially in gumbo and soup. And I said, Nick Holden, you can't be thinking that in a service today. Don't let your stomach make you drive on and labor. Hey, man, you, gotta, you want to feed on the Word of God. Now, I ain't the only one, am I? <laughs> All right, let's look at the Word. Matthew chapter number 21 and verse number 18. We've talked about these things before, but we're going to look at them again and carry on what I thought from last Sunday morning service about this idea of God giving us a command, a word to trust, to believe, and to walk in. Verse 18, now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. So I'm not in bad shape. Jesus got hungry too, amen? And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and it be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Father, we thank you today for just the testament of your word. Thank you for the testimony of this time that you recorded for us. We pray that it would help us in this service, that we would rejoice before you, that we would tremble before your word, that we would all be in here hungry and thirsty for righteousness. That we'd be poor in spirit and contrite. We bless you for the precious work of grace over us. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb and thank you for the indwelling power of your Spirit. And Lord, we just come before you today. Yes, our physical frames are hungry and our mind at times are, are hungry for things that are insignificant. But today we ask that you would 
uh, enrapture our thoughts and our heart toward you, that we would hunger and thirst for you, that we would desire to be fed the truth of the word of God. Help us, Lord. Speak to us. Give us a word that we can walk in and trust and believe, cling to and hold and possess as our very own believing that you'll do it because you desire to speak to your people. Send forth the command and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I, I read this, and I also read over in the, in the Gospel of Mark that gives another angle or a little bigger picture of what was going on here. As a matter of fact, we might as well go over there and just read it. So turn to Mark 11. And, uh, and I want you to see what, how, how Mark looked at this that God had given him revelation on and inspired him to write. In Mark 11, in verse number 12, it begins, and there's a time frame just in between that, and we'll, we'll pick up and just see how the story unfolds. Now watch this. I want you to grab some things, and I want you to hear. Pay attention to what is read and what you hear and, and see if God will speak to us today. The scripture says in verse 12 of Mark 11, Now the next day when they came out of Bethany, he was hungry. That is Jesus. And he, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if, if, conditional, if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Why? For it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, the tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now jump over, if you would, to verse 20. Verse 20 says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so Jesus, he answered him and said these simple words, Have faith in God. For I assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, here's, here's the setting. They're walking about and the scripture says that Jesus sees this fig tree. A tree that had leaves on it. And Mark gives us the picture as if Jesus was, was curious if it perhaps would have figs on it. Why? Because it wasn't the season for figs. It wasn't designed to have figs on it at this time. But he was hungry, and therefore he, he wondered if it would have, have figs on it. So he comes up to it, it doesn't have figs on it, so he curses it. Now that don't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? I'll be honest. Let's be honest in here. To me, as I look at that and read that and I see the actions of what Jesus did, it just really doesn't make sense to me. Because, one, if it was out of season, that means it wasn't the season for figs, 
there wasn't going to be any figs on it, so there was no figs to eat from it. It wasn't the tree's fault there was no figs on it. So Jesus curses it, and it really, that doesn't make sense to me, why he would curse it, seeing that it had no figs and it wasn't seasoned for figs. But then he tells us, he tells us something that helps us make sense to this is that the response that he said to Peter when Peter said Lord look remember I mean why look at it all withered up his first response his first words to Peter was have faith in God now why do you think Jesus said that have faith in God that's not what Peter asked him right he just pointed out the fig tree was all withered up why in the world did he then Respond the way that he did, have faith in God, because he's going to tell us this is what's important about this situation. You see, Jesus teaches us as he walked on this earth that he did a few things that most of us don't do. Number one, hold your spot there and turn to John chapter 5. Let's, let's see what John 5 says. Y'all don't mind using your Bible this morning, do you? Look, if I'm hungry, I'm going to turn it over into something good. So we're going to dig in the Word. I'm hungering to see what Jesus, why he said what he said. I'm going to start reading in verse number 16. So y'all follow along with me. Y'all keep up with me now. This is going somewhere. I think you're going to want to, you're going to want to see the end. Now, you don't want to miss the journey, though. Most men like to get to the destination, you know, when you're traveling. I mean, you like messing around on the journey. You would rather just get in the car and get from point A to point B as fast as you could possibly get there. Are you like me? If they got to go to the bathroom, you tell them to hold it. We keep, we keep moving on. It's rough traveling with four women, I'm telling you. Y'all know me ain't got to do that. I tell them when we get in the car, make sure you go use the bathroom. I got 20-year-old daughter, 23-year-old daughter. You tell them, look, make sure you go to the bathroom. We're fixing to get on the road. You've been telling them this since they've been a, uh, uh, they can go to the bathroom on their own. You get 40 miles down the road, one of them says, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. You better hold it. We got four hours to go. <laughs> and boy, we miss out on so much in between, don't we? Listen to what he says in verse 16 of, of John, John 5. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered them and said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought even all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his personal father, making himself equal with God. And then Jesus answered and said to them, verse 19, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he, that is the Father does, the Son also does. In like manner. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him even greater works than these that, he may, that you may marvel. 
For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he, the, he wills. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Look, if you would, in verse 30. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I what? As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who did what? All right, so what does that tell me? Knowing this, and then when he told Peter, when Peter said, look at that tree, it's all withered up, and the first response Jesus says to him is, have faith in God. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, if I understand the word correctly, the word also tells me to have faith means I also got to hear something, right? Because what does the Bible tell us in Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? From hearing from God, right? So what was Jesus telling Peter on that road when he looked at that fig tree that was all withered up, when he told him, have faith in God? What was Peter, what was Jesus really telling Peter? Peter, whatever God tells you to do, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's out of season, Remember, that fig tree was out of season. There wasn't supposed to be no figs on that tree. God didn't design it to have figs on that tree for that time of the year. But whatever God tells you to do, even when it doesn't make sense to you, even when it, it's out of season, even when it seems so far out, just have faith in what he tells you to do and do it. Amen? Even if something as far out as telling a mountain, to be plucked up from the foundations of the earth and cast in the sea. That don't make sense, does it? Telling a mountain just by the words you say to be uprooted, taken from the foundation of the earth and picked up and planted or dropped out into the ocean, that's, 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 that, that, that's not normal, is it? That's out of season. It don't make sense. You see, but if God tells you to speak to that mountain... Or God tells you to speak to that fig tree. Or God tells you to speak to this person. Or God tells you to speak over this circumstance. Whatever God tells you, even if it doesn't make sense, trust Him. And say what He tells you to say. And it will be as He told you to say it. Amen? You see, we... we we will never get away from the reality or the fact that we've got to hear from God to live for Him. And to live for Him, what we hear from Him, we have to believe. And when we believe it and trust it, it authorizes, it gives us the authority to walk in whatever God tells us, even if it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't fit. Lazarus, for an example, it doesn't make sense. Lazarus in a tomb for how many days? Four days. 
His sisters were concerned about the fact that he would already be decomposing. There would be a stench and aroma that if they removed that stone away from that, that wall, if they, if they did that, 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 that everybody out there would be exposed to a rotten dead man, his body, and Jesus commands him, just gives him a word, Lazarus, come forth. You see, when he gives a command, even a dead man has to answer. Amen? To God be the glory. We need a word. We need a command from God to live for the glory of God. He simply said, Peter, have faith in God. He didn't give him no explanation other than the fact that he's already been teaching his men that I cannot say what I say. Meaning Jesus didn't curse that fig tree independent. He heard from the Father. The Father told him to curse that tree. He just did what the Father told him. Amen? And when he did it, it, it withered up. So he didn't get through and tell him an instruction and, and, and say things that was unnecessary. He just said, Peter, just have faith in God. Whatever he tells you to do, you just do. And it will be as, as he told you. Same way with praying. Whatever God put on your heart to pray for, believe. And it will be as you ask. It's yours. You know what the key is here? The key is, is that I got to be in I got to be in such intimate relationship that I, I could be in a position where God can speak to me. Amen. I need to be in a place where God desires to speak to me. He desires to tell me to do unnatural, out of season, things that don't make sense to speak it. And to believe it and to just take him at his word, whatever he wants to do, he's able to do it. For an example, I was thinking about this this morning. And as I was pondering over these things, and last night it was on my mind. Uh, y'all remember, I, I've taught y'all the, 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 the fact that, that David, King David, remember when God came to King Saul by way of the prophet Samuel, and he told Saul, Samuel told Saul that David, that God had found a man that was after his own heart. Y'all remember that? Y'all know that passage? Now go to it. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Y'all still, still on the journey with me? First Samuel chapter 13. Look in verse 14. First Samuel thirteen fourteen, the scripture says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has The Lord has done what? He's done what? He's commanded him. To be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now y'all know we, we've talked about this and we've studied this. That David wasn't even born yet when that was spoken. Wouldn't be born for another eight years. But God speaks in past tense as if he's already spoke to him doesn't he? You see, God's able to do that. He can speak those things which are not. They're not. They're not existent. 
They don't exist. But he can speak about those things that don't exist as though they do exist. And whatever he says about what don't exist that should exist, when we take him at his word, it will exist. It will come to pass. Amen? Now notice, he uses that word command. That's what we took and studied last week and what we've been looking at. That God never does a thing apart from sending a command first. The scripture says that God commanded him. That was, that was the word that was the life spoken over David. Even though David wasn't born yet. But that was the word that authorized David to, to, to raise up to be who he was. To go do the work of God. Was the simple word that I've commanded him to be captain over my people. as he commanded Jesus to say to that fig tree, be withered up and die. As God has always spoken a command, whether it be for salvation. Remember that passage in Ezekiel we looked at last week, Ezekiel 16? When God said, I found Israel before I established them as a nation, I found Israel wallowing in his own blood. Y'all remember that passage? how he was loathing in himself, he was helpless and in despair. No one showed pity to him. No one was helping him. He was not in a position. He was a Gentile, a Hittite, and an Amorite. There was nothing there of any significance or value, just wallowing and loathing in the blood. And God said he passed by and gave a command and said, Live. Just gave a command and said, Live. And Israel became a nation. And through that nation... The Messiah came, and by way of the Messiah, we are where we are today because God gave a word, a command, live. You see, whatever God gives a word on a thing, whatever God speaks over a thing, whatever God says about a thing, whatever God command he gives to you and me, if we will just possess it, have faith in it, make it our own, cling to it, it be what, what sustains us, we'll have exactly what he says we'll have. We'll do exactly what he says we'll do. And we'll be enabled and empowered to do those things which are out of season. That don't make sense. That you ought to not be able to do what you're doing. Or you ought to not be able to be part of what you're a part of. You ought to not be able to, to, to accomplish what you've accomplished. Because God did an out of season thing with you. And made you into something that he just spoke a command over. And you believed it. And it came to be as he said it would be. Amen. You know what he also says? That you and I are as born-again believers. He says we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's commanded it. Amen. All I got to do is trust him. Believe it. There's a, there's a few other things. Let's just work our way back. Stop in Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. in verse number 16 Isaiah 54 16 we have no reason to fear when God gives us a command over our lives 16 says behold I that is God have created the blacksmith now what is a blacksmith what does a blacksmith do 
What do they do? Choose horses. They're iron workers. They work with iron. They design things. And that day, he's speaking of the blacksmith who created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. That is somebody who designs whatever it may be, a weapon. And I've created the spoiler to destroy. Therefore, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall what? You shall condemn. Why? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. What does that mean? God says, I create the man who makes the weapons, and I'll create the man or the people who will use the weapons. And no weapon, whoever created it and whoever's going to use it, can prosper over my people because I've spoke a command that they can condemn those that are coming against them, and this is a heritage of those that belong to me. They have that authority. That's a good word, amen? To know that when all the, 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 the weapons of the enemies that come against you, the principalities, when Satan's attacking you, when his demonic forces are upon you, when he's using people as a threat against you for whatever it may be. It may be in the business world. It may be in the, in the church. It may be in a community. It may be in a government. It may be in whatever. Nothing can prosper against God's people because God spoke a command that they have the authority to exercise his righteousness over that. Amen? That's, that's refreshing. To me it is. It's comfort. Look in Psalms. Go back just a little bit. Look at Psalm 149. Man, I like hearing y'all's Bibles. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I'm hungry as you are. Look, look in verse number... Well, let me just read this whole psalm. It won't take much time. We got a little girl in here listening to the word today, and she don't mind. Amen. Scripture says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker and let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance and let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud on their beds. Yes, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. When they in bed, when you're in bed, you're pretty vulnerable, don't you think? We much less don't even want people coming to the door when we done jumped in the bed. Much less a surrounding army attacking us. But let them sing praises while on the bed. Let high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword be in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the what? The written judgment. This honor have all his saints. I want to tell you, as being a saint, 
being part of the family of God, we, we have some authority, don't we? The written judgment, we can, we can declare things. Now, how does this apply? How does this flow into where we've been reading in Matthew? Y'all recall, as y'all read in Matthew chapter 18, when it comes to dealing with a brother or, or a sister who has awed against another brother who's trespassed against them, and the Scripture says in Matthew 18 that if there's a brother out there that has sinned against another brother, and that brother needs to go to them personally and deal with it, right? That's God's way. And if that brother doesn't respond to him coming and dealing with him that way, what is he to do next? What's the next step? He needs to bring somebody with him, right? Another person that can establish that. Well, he don't listen to them either. He neglects it. He, 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 won't, he, won't, he won't get right with the brother that he sinned against and he's, he's overthrown God's process. What's the next step you do? Matthew 18, what is it? It says you, you kick him out of the fellowship because or you bring it before the church, right? And if he won't hear the single man that he transgressed, if he won't hear the witnesses that come with him, and he won't listen to the body of Christ who has the authority to, to exercise a, a, a rendering, a verdict on this, if he won't hear that, what do you do? You, you, you break fellowship with that person. You kick him out. But why, how does that unfold? What's the principles of those things? It's not to hurt him or harm him. It's to restore him, right? You want to restore him. You want him to get right so he would be in good fellowship, reconciled with the brethren. But he says these two words. He says these words following that. Whatever is bound in heaven is bound on, and whatever is loosed in heaven is loosed on earth. What does that mean in that context? He's saying that I've given my people the authority and the command that if the people of God or if a person won't hear me and won't hear from my people, I've given them authority to bind them because they've already been bound in heaven. You have that authority. I've commanded it so you can exercise it. But if that person repents and gets right, I've loosed him in heaven and now you on earth must loose him as well and receive him back. You know how all that works? It works because God's given a, a word, a command. And that command authorizes us. You know where that command started? You know where he gave it at? He gave it way back in Genesis chapter 12 when he told Abraham, those who honor you, I will honor. But those that, that curse you, who take you lightly and mistreat you and misuse you, won't honor you, therefore they're not honoring me. They won't do it my way. I will bind them under a curse. They'll be bound. I've already bound them to heaven. You on earth have the authority to bind them on earth. You see, that one word that God gave Abraham authorized his people throughout the rest of history to operate on that command, in that authority, in his power for us to do his work. And the simple word that Jesus told Peter is the word that he would tell you and me today. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's out of season, even when you don't think it's possible and it shouldn't be, have faith in God, whatever he tells you to do, and you can do it. Amen? Just have faith in him. And what we need to be about as the people of God is encouraging one another just to have faith in the Lord. Trust him. Take him at his word. Whatever he says. Even when we look feeble, weak, 
no backbone, not standing up. God's given us a word to operate in, hasn't he? Church has authority, has power. Combine nations and turn events around the world because they exercise the authority already spoken over them and the command God's given them to operate in. We don't need to walk around with our head between our legs and our tail tucked between our legs. We're the people of God, amen. We worship the king of heaven and of earth. And we can move mountains when God gives us the word to operate in. To him be the praise. To him be the glory. Father, we thank you today. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you for the, just the, the blessings of it. Thank you for allowing us to open up this word today. Thank you for letting us look at things throughout history of how you work. And I pray today that we'll just take you at your word. That we as your people, because of your work of grace, because of the blood of Jesus, we're a people for whom you take pleasure in. And you've given us authority to operate in. We can exercise the written word, the written judgment that you've already given. And we give you the praise for it. We ask you to help now in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, this is what I encourage you to do. If God's been speaking to you, whatever it may be, trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him.